CDK4-6 inhibitors have made significant impact in the treatment of hormone receptor positive HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer. However, when there is disease progression on CDK4-6 inhibitor, there is always a question, should we continue that or change the endocrine therapy backbone? Will that help maintain a response? While there were some observational individual institutional experiences and reports, we do not have any prospective clinical trial data to suggest what might be the next step. Today, we are going to talk with the lead investigator of the maintained trial to answer that question. Welcome to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Pavani Chalasani, and joining me today to talk about the maintained trial is Dr. Kevin Kilinski, director of the Glenn Family Breast Center at the Winship Cancer Institute at Emory University. Dr. Kalinsky, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Chalasani. It's nice to see you. So to start us off, Dr. Kalinsky, can you just give us the background on what uh, encouraged you and your study team members to evaluate or investigate continuation of CDK4-6 inhibitors? Yeah, you know, I think we've seen that CDK4-6 inhibitors with endocrine therapy have really led to significant improvement for our patients with metastatic hormone receptor positive HER2 negative disease. And with ribocyclib now, we've seen three large phase three randomized trials demonstrating an OS benefit with the combination of ribo plus endocrine therapy compared to endocrine therapy alone. And there had been preclinical and clinical data that had demonstrated that when CDK4-6 inhibition is removed, there'll be less tumor proliferation. So, and there've been some observational data demonstrating that this could potentially be a means of treating patients, meaning <clears throat> continuing a CDK4-6 inhibitor and switching the endocrine therapy at the time of CDK4-6 inhibitor progression. However, up to this point, there'd been no randomized trials that had been reported that had shown whether this was a beneficial approach or not. Great. So what were some of the primary objectives of the maintained trial? The primary objective of the maintained trial was for patients who'd had metastatic hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer that had a tumor that had progressed on any CDK4-6 inhibitor and any endocrine therapy, measurable disease or not, that they were randomized in a one-to-one fashion to ribocyclib plus fulvestrin versus ribocyclib plus placebo. And the primary objective was to see if there was an improvement in progression-free survival favoring those who were randomized to the combination. Okay, great. So um, can you give us an overview on the patients who were enrolled and some of the key results? So of the patients who were randomized in a valuable in the maintained trial, which was 119 participants, the patients um, you know, that were well-balanced between the arms. The only statistically significant difference is that there was a higher rate of patients who had visceral metastasis at diagnosis in the placebo arm compared to the ribocyclib arm. But two-thirds of patients had visceral metastasis, only 9% of patients had prior chemotherapy, and the vast majority of patients had received prior pavocyclib as their CDK4-6 inhibitor. About 12% of patients received prior ribocyclib, and there were only two patients who received prior bemocyclib, both of those in the ribocyclib arm. I will say that the population primarily represented an endocrine-sensitive population, and that two-thirds of patients had been on their prior CDK4-6 inhibitor for more than 12 months. 
and all the patients received their prior CDK4-6 inhibitor in the metastatic setting. There were none who received it in the operable setting. Were there any patients who were treated with fulvestrin, anything prior to this study? So the study was originally designed for fulvestrin-naive patients, and patients originally were randomized to fulvestrin plus ribocyclib versus fulvestrin plus placebo. But in 2018, you know, maintain accrued patients over five and a half years. And for accrual purposes and also to reflect real-world practice, we amended the protocol such that if you had had prior fulvestrin, that you could receive exemestane as the endocrine therapy backbone. However, you know, of the 119 randomized and evaluable patients, 99 of those, so the vast majority of patients, received fulvestrin as their endocrine therapy backbone in maintenance. All right. So can you just like comment on the key findings on the study? So the maintained trial was a positive study. We saw that for the patients who were randomized to ribocyclic plus fulvestrin, that there was an improvement in progression-free survival with a hazard ratio really that's similar to what we've seen in the CDK4-6 inhibitor naive population of about 0.57 or so with a confidence interval that did not cross one and a statistically significant p-value. We also looked at the PFS rate at six months and 12 months and saw that, uh, and this was an exploratory analysis, but we saw that the rate at six months in terms of not having had progression, it's about twice as high in the ribocyclic arm compared to the placebo arm. When you look at 12 months, it was nearly triple. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Pavani Chalasani, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Kalinsky about hormone receptor-positive, HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer patients on the MAINTAIN trial. So I know the protocols are amended, and there's always concerns for accrual, but you know you did amend to make sure it reflects the real-world practice. But can you comment on some of the limitations of the study? Yeah, you know, we did do an exploratory analysis where we looked at those fulvestrant alone patients because it was the majority of patients, about 86% of the patients. And the data looked exactly the same, right? Um, one of the limitations is that the exemestane alone arm is, is a small population. I think other limitations is, you know, this is a randomized phase two trial, right? This was not designed as a registration trial. This was really designed as a proof of principle study. I think a major limitation of the study is despite our best efforts to enrich for patients who had prior ribocyclin, the majority of patients had prior pavocyclin. And, you know, there remains this question within the field of is, are the CDK4-6 inhibitors really all the same or not? So it's hard to know if the benefit that we're seeing was a post Pabo effect or just a post-CDK46 inhibitor effect. I will say that when we look at the hazard ratio for those who had prior Pabo or prior RIBO, the hazard ratio looks exactly the same, but also the confidence interval for the prior RIBO is really quite wide. It's just 14 patients. So I think that you know, a major limitation is that this remains an unanswered question. However, there are other studies that we're awaiting, like PACE and like the Parsifal study, which will really be PALBO post-PALBO, and that will really help inform whether this is a CDK4-6 inhibitor effect or a RIBO post-PALBO sort of thing. 
Oh, absolutely. And if we focus on the clinical application for a moment, how do you see, you know, granted we are still waiting for some results, like how this study results could be applied in our clinical practice? Well, one, I will say the safety profile for ribocyclic plus endocrine therapy in this post-CDK46 inhibitor setting was the same really as what we saw in a CDK46 inhibitor naive population. There were no surprises. I think, you know, this is the first randomized trial that has demonstrated a benefit of CDK46 inhibitor after a CDK46 inhibitor progression. I think that there are some individuals who were already doing this in their practice. And I think for those individuals, it justifies that use. Also understanding that this study will not lead to a change in the label. I think that there are a number of ongoing questions, including like, what's the best sequencing? Would it be CDK4-6 inhibitor? After CDK4-6 inhibitor, what's the role? Like, what's the sequencing in terms of XMS stain? So I think that there are a number of outstanding questions, but I will also say that it is really quite nice to see that what we saw in preclinical findings and also in observational data turned out to be true in this randomized placebo-controlled talk. Absolutely. So before we close, Dr. Kalinske, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to share with your audience? I think that these data reflect that there is clinical activity of a CDK4-6 inhibitor after a CDK4-6 inhibitor, and that this is a tolerable combination. I do think that we should await additional randomized phase two trials, the ones that I had mentioned, including the Parsifal trial and the PACE trial. And I will also say that there is an ongoing phase three randomized trial, the post-Monarch study, that is looking at full vestrant with or without abemocyclin for patients who have tumors that have progressed in the metastatic setting, but also if patients had received their CDK4-6 inhibitor in the adjuvant setting. So I think that that study will help in terms of being a definitive understanding of whether there's a role of CDK4-6 inhibitor post-CDK4-6 inhibitor. Thanks for sharing those takeaways with us. As we close, I would like to thank my guest, Dr. Kevin Kalinsky, for sharing his insights on the maintained trial. Dr. Kalinsky, it was great speaking with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I'm Dr. Pavani Chelisani. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit reachmd.com slash projectoncology, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.